Amen. Amen. Well, what's up, Erlast? We doing good tonight? Whoop, whoop. Well, we uh, are excited that you have joined us this evening. Uh, if it, this is your first time here, welcome. We are glad that you are here. Uh, tonight, we are continuing in a new series we just started called Leadership Matters. And the heart behind the series is that in Christ, we are all leaders. Anyone who is a believer who has placed their faith in Jesus requires some sort of leadership. That doesn't mean that all leadership positions look the same, uh, but leadership will play itself out in the life of every Christian. So knowing that, how can we become better leaders? Well, last week, Kevin taught on leadership requires faith. Leaders lead by faith. In order to be a leader, you have to have faith. And it was such a great message and a great start to the series. Let me just uh, encourage you, if you missed last week, go back, listen to that message on our podcast. Uh, it would be a blessing and we believe would be a benefit to you. So tonight's leadership topic is leadership requires godly character. If you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, if you need a Bible, we have some over to my right over here. Feel free to grab one of those when we pray. Uh, it'll be helpful for you to follow along. So 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16. Um, but let's pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, we uh, come before you tonight. God, we ask uh, simply this. God, we ask that your will would be done in and through this place. God, we ask that you would speak to us tonight. God, I ask that you would speak through me tonight. God, we pray that we would leave here at the end of the night thinking much more of you, Jesus. God, we love you. We are excited to hear from you tonight. We are excited to hear from your word. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, when I was younger, uh, I grew up, in, grew up on a street with a cul-de-sac. Y'all know what cul-de-sacs are? Yeah. Great. Awesome. All the kids that lived on this street, uh, we would meet up after school at the end of the cul-de-sac to play, right? We'd play, we'd play things like kickball, basketball. Capture the flag. Wall ball. You know wall ball, right? Don't need to, be, need to even explain that. We're going to skip those notes. We played football, right? Anything and everything we played until the street lights came on and then it was time to go home. But what I love about all of those games is what they have in common. Teams. Teams are fun. Healthy competition, right? We would pick people on our team for the goal and purpose of beating the other team. So before you would play, you would pick the best of the best to be on your team. You, you picked based off strategy. Who was the tallest? Who had the most strength? The best speed, right? How fast someone was or how cute so-and-so was, right? Because you know you also wanted to pick that guy or girl you had a crush on. I always chose Brent. Brent was older. Brent played football. Brent also had a little bit of baby fat, 
and I was 100% into that. <laughs> Clearly not anymore, though, because, I mean, muscles, right? Amen. <laughs> Anyways, for those listening to the podcast, my husband's name is Kevin. All right. Anyways, that's how we, uh, that's how teams were chosen. The whole point of getting a good team was based off of skill and physical stature. Now, why share all of this? Well, in 1 Samuel 16, we see the same kind of mindset play itself out through Samuel. You see, God is about to anoint the next king. He's about to share with Samuel who will be the next future leader over Israel. And that is a big deal. That This is the next leader that God chooses, and God is going to share this with Samuel. And the reason God is picking a new leader is because in the previous chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 15, God rejects Saul as king because of his disobedience. And so now God is about to anoint the next king and leader over Israel. And as we read, I want you to look at Samuel's mindset going into picking this new leader. So starting in verse 1, read along with me. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. So God says to Samuel, hey, stop grieving. I've provided myself a king, and he is one of Jesse's sons. Now go. And at the end of verse 3, God then tells Samuel, and you shall anoint for me who, him whom I declare to you. So, so God is saying, not only have I chosen the king, the next leader, but you, Samuel, will be the one to anoint whom I have chosen. So Samuel goes and he meets Jesse and his sons. And in verse 6, listen carefully to what takes place with Samuel's uh, thought process when it comes to choosing this next leader. Verse 6. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So check this out. Jesse's sons are lined up in front of Samuel, and he's looking at Jesse's sons, sizing them up based off height, strength, good looks. Out of all the sons, Samuel then looks at Eliab and thinks to himself, got him, found him, easy. This is the guy. He's handsome, great stature, just his height alone. This is the dude. Right? If I'm in Samuel's shoes, picking out of the lineup here, going back to the good old cul-de-sac days, right? I'm going with Eliab all the way. If you are solely looking at his outward appearance, you want the best on your team, the, the best king, the best leader. This guy is a no-brainer. And yet God says, no, that's not who I have. In fact, all of Jesse's sons go before Samuel Samuel one by one. And each time Samuel says, neither has the Lord chosen this one. So Jesse would send the next son. 
Samuel would say, nope, not him either. Then the next son, nope, not him either. Then the next son, nope, the Lord has not anointed this one either. Until all seven sons that were present passed by. Now think about that for a second. Imagine what Samuel might have been thinking in that moment. Like, okay, Lord, we had a pretty good lineup. We started off strong. And we are down to the last guy. And we still don't want any of them? Like, what? I think we can find a good leader out of this crew. But the Lord said to Samuel, verse 7, Again, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God is saying, Samuel, you look at the outward appearance and think talent, success, victory, but that's not what makes a great leader. What makes a great leader is what's going down in the heart. Everlast. Leadership doesn't have to do with outer beauty. It has to do with inner beauty. God isn't choosing the next leader, leader based off of outward appearance. He's looking at the internal, what's going on inside the heart. And Everlast, this is huge because what this is saying is our looks, talents, gifts, smarts, our stature, our outward appearance shouldn't be how we evaluate someone. Maybe for capture the flag, but not when it comes to leadership. Instead, we should be more concerned with the internal, the, the heart, and the content of our character. Martin Luther King Jr. said it best when giving his infamous I have a dream speech. He says, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Martin Luther King Jr. gets it. In the world we live in today, people base success, victory, talents, and gifts on one's outward appearance. But God is saying, I don't see as man sees. Man looks at the outward, I look at the inward. God cares about the heart, and he cares about your character. If you want to be a great leader, you have to have godly character. Godly leadership requires godly character. So what does godly character look like? Verse 11, Samuel asks, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Now, at first you may think, okay, well, it says David had beautiful eyes. It said he was handsome. So God must have picked David based off his looks. But that's not why God chose David to be next king and leader over Israel. If you go to Acts 13, 22, it says this. And when he, God, had removed him, talking about Saul, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, 
who will do all my will. God chose David because of his heart. God chose David because he was a man after God's own heart. Everlast, God wants to raise up leaders who are after his own heart. That that's the kind of leader God wants. A man or woman of godly character. And David embodied godly character. That's what godly character looks like for someone who will do all God's will. It's someone who wants what God wants. It's someone whose heart is completely after his. That's why God chose David as the next leader. He was a man of godly character. I love 2 Chronicles 16.9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth, so that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. I love this verse. God is looking right now for leaders whose heart are completely his. He's looking for leaders who are after his own heart. He is looking for leaders who embody godly character. That's why God chose David to be king. Because when he looked at David and saw the innermost depths of his heart, he saw a man whose whole heart was delighting in and pursuing after him. Everlast, your character matters. That's why not only God chose David as king, but rejects Saul as king. That's why in verse 1 it says, uh, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? God rejects a leader who isn't doing his or her job. Now that seems kind of harsh, right? But, but God wants great leaders. He, he wants leaders whose character reflect his. And let me be clear here. There is a big difference between being a leader by God and being a child of God. God doesn't reject a child of God in the sense of you do something wrong and now that relationship is cut off. No, no, that is, that is not the gospel. The gospel is you mess up, I'll clean you up. Right? He doesn't leave or forsake us. However, your title before man can change. If you were in a position of leadership and you don't value it, uh, treat it with the gift that it is, then God can totally reject, remove, and replace you with someone else in that position. Saul was removed and replaced because of his actions while he was in that leader position. So God takes very seriously the character of man, the, the heart of man, the man or woman who is willing to do his will and pursue him wholeheartedly. Everlast, your character matters. And I think just a great question to ask yourself is, does my character reflect someone who is delighting in and pursuing after Christ? That when people see my actions or how I lead or how I live my life, would they associate the words godly character with my name? It's a great question to ask. Because listen, character plays itself out on a daily basis. Whether you are currently in a leadership position or not, every day you and I have choices and decisions to make that will reflect our character. Just think about today alone. We each have had choices and decisions today that either reflected someone with godly character or reflected something else. 
I'll just give you a few examples. You can either choose to be nice to that coworker who coworker who's really difficult, or you can choose to respond in a way that is patient, or, or, or you can choose to respond in a way that is impatient and unloving. You can choose to participate in gossip, or you can choose to listen and be involved. Sorry, you can choose not to participate in gossip, or you can choose to listen and be involved. You can choose to have unforgiveness in your heart towards that person who wronged you, or you can choose to forgive them. You can choose to, while driving, let someone over in front of you that just cut in front of everyone in the passing lane, or you can choose to respond with your fingers or finger. Not what you should do. (laughs) We make choices all the time that reflect our true nature and our character. But we make choices all the time that will show what is really going down in our hearts. And your actions will show and reveal either one who exhibits godly character or one who exhibits cracks in their character. I love how one author put it. He said, life is built on character, but character is built on decisions. Meaning, Our character is influenced by our actions and those decisions. And it's not just a one-time decision, right? Godly character is something that is a continual tendency. It's something that you continue to see based off someone's actions and decisions. It's a consistent pattern in someone's life, right? It's uh, It's not like you just because you bought Starbucks that one time for someone in line behind you, you are now this amazing giver. It's kind. That's awesome. I'm sure you made their day. But my point is, is that it should be something you continue to see in someone, not just a one-time thing. Everlast, if you want to be a godly leader, then your actions should continue to reveal a heart that is pursuing after Christ. And David is a great example of that. As we look at the life of David, we see a heart that is continually seeking after God. In fact, there are three things we see from the life of David. By the way, this is by no means uh, an exhaustive list, uh, but these are three attributes of godly character that make David a great godly leader. So if you're sitting here tonight and you're like, I want to be a godly leader who embodies godly, godly character, then these are some attributes that we should strive for and live by in our daily walk with Christ. So here's the first one. David's life was marked by humility. David's life was marked by humility. We see 1 Samuel 16 that David has just been told he's going to be king. And do you know what he does after hearing this just insane news? He goes back to tend his father's sheep. That's what scripture tells us. He goes right back to tackling, uh, to taking care of those sheep. Imagine that. Right, put yourself in David's shoes for a second. You've just been told you're going to be the next leader, the next king. What do you do? Do you go back out and tend to your job that no one sees? It's dirty. It's probably hot and mundane at times. Or do you throw a party? Right, what do you do? It would have been so easy for David to be like, sweet. See you, sheep. I don't lead sheep anymore. I lead people. Actually, I lead nations. It would have been easy for David to immediately start taking ownership of that role, if you will, 
to start acting like a king already, making his brothers do things for him. But that's not what he does. He goes back to the job he did before, tending to the sheep. David is humble. His life is marked by humility. Two, David's life was marked by patience. David, by the way, was 15 years old when he found out he was going to be king. 15. Where were you at when you were 15, right? Just put that in perspective. 15, he finds out he's going to be king. This was the moment. But it wasn't until he was 30 that he became king. 15 years he waited. He was patient. And some of us in the room don't do very well with waiting, right? We get impatient real quick. Uh, Whether that is food, waiting in traffic, waiting for the Lord to bring you a man or woman, waiting for the Lord to do something that you've been asking him to do. It's taking too long from what you expected or were wanting. We get upset when our timeline doesn't meet up with God's. We get impatient. David was patient. He waited. God still had things to do in David's life to still work out, to grow and mature in him. And everlasting, sometimes God makes us wait because he's still doing things in us. We aren't ready yet for what we want and desire. You want to be a godly leader, one who possesses godly character? Practice patience. Embody patience. David was patient. Thirdly, David's life was marked by surrender to God. We read this earlier, uh, or sorry, we read this earlier, but Acts 13, 13, 22 says, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. David was surrendered to God's will, God's plan and God's desire. When Saul was king, he wanted to do his own will. God would say, do this. And he would say, no, I think I'm going to go do that. But David was about the plans of God. When it says he was a man after God's own heart, it's David saying, I want to do what God wants done. Everlast, is that your heart? That above all else, over your desires, over your dreams, you want God's will to be done in your life, even if that means that those dreams and those desires don't happen or look the way that you thought that they would. Is your life completely surrendered over to Christ? Are you open-handed with his plans for your life? You want to be a great and godly leader? Be a leader whose plans are completely surrendered over to God. David's life was marked by complete surrender. And like I said, this is not an exhaustive list, but those are just three things we can glean from David's life and his character. And so I just want to spend the remainder of our time talking through how can we develop godly character. If we know that God is looking for leaders who, whose heart is for him and after him and one who exhibits godly character, how do we then develop it? How do I become humble? How do I become patient? How do I develop godly character? 
Well, the first way in which we develop godly character is by first and foremost looking to Jesus. Jesus is the perfect example of character. Ephesians 5, 1 says, be imitators of God as beloved children. Everlast, if you want to walk in godly character, then imitate and worship the God who embodies perfect character. He has infinite perfection, infinite greatness, infinite worth, right? He's in a category all by himself. You want to walk in godly character, then imitate the, ones, the one whose character is perfect. We are to be imitators of God as beloved children. By the way, that word imitator in the Greek means follower. We are to be followers of God. To be a good leader, you have to be a good follower. We are to follow and mimic and copy, in a sense, God's character. Uh, I'll just give you an example. When I was younger... We had this older girl in our neighborhood who I wanted to be just like. She was athletic, smart, witty, super cool, pretty, confident, kind, like just all around a fun hang. Everyone enjoyed being around her, and I wanted to be just like her. And so anything she did, I copied her. Not creepy, literally. I copied her. If she wore her hair up in a ponytail that day, my hair was going up in a ponytail that day. If she was playing basketball, I wanted to play basketball. If she had a turkey sandwich for lunch, then I'm going home and I'm asking my mom for a turkey sandwich for lunch, right? I wanted to be just like her. So I imitated her. And for those in the room who are believers, we are called to be like Jesus. We are called to imitate Jesus. We are called to look at the scriptures and see what the word says and shows us about the character of God and then follow and imitate those certain qualities. And everlast, this is important because the word shows us the correct, true, and right qualities and characteristics we are to follow. We are to follow God's standard for us, not the world. Psalm 33, 4 says, for the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. You see, the world and the Bible have very different teachings on character. The world will teach you the character of selfishness. We, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. The, the world will tell you, promote self. Be about elevate, elevating yourself above others. Be about getting what's yours. Whereas the Bible will teach you the character trait of humility. And said you were to elevate others above yourself. Philippians 2.3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. The, word, the world teaches us the characteristic of unforgiveness. Listen, you've been hurt by someone, write them off. You don't need them. Get revenge. Make them feel and pay for how they treated you. Whereas the Bible teaches the character trait of grace and mercy. Matthew 18, 21 through 22, Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say seven times, but 77 times. Our world's definition of character is very different than God's. The word teaches about the true character of God and how we are to follow him. We develop character first and foremost by looking to the God who embodies perfect character. 
And we imitate a God whose character is loving and compassionate, Isaiah 63, 7, whose character is full of mercy, grace, and long-suffering, Exodus 34, 6, whose character is trustworthy and faithful, Psalm 33, 4, whose character is kind and merciful, Titus 3, 4. We imitate a God whose character is perfect, Deuteronomy 32, 4. And as we look to God and follow him, he then develops godly character in us. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. As we look to Christ, we then start to look like Christ. I'm going to say that again. As we look to Christ, we then start to look like Christ. He transforms our hearts and develops our character by means of his Holy Spirit residing within us. Everlast, how do we develop godly character? We first look to Jesus. The second way in which we develop godly character is by surrounding ourselves with people who have godly character. We talk about community often here at Everlast, but there's a reason for it. Scripture is very clear that in order to make it through this broken world, we need community. Community is meant to help us grow in our faith, celebrate our successes, learn from our failures, call out sin in our lives, point us back to Christ, encourage one another. Community is meant to help us grieve through our losses and give us strength in our weaknesses. I love how one author said it when he said, the number one scheme of Satan is to make us think that we need to cocoon rather than to lean into the care of Christian brothers and sisters. Satan wants you to think that you don't need community, that you don't deserve community, that you can do it on your own. And none of those things are true. Everlast, you want to develop godly character? Find the godliest men and women that you can. Get as close to them as you can and learn as much from them as you can. Paul says in Philippians 3.17, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. He goes on to say in Philippians 4.9, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the peace of God will be with you. In order to develop godly character, to be a godly leader, find godly men and godly women to walk alongside. Learn from them. Give them permission to speak in. And let me just say this. I think something that is helpful is having someone who really knows you and does life with you. Who doesn't just get the awesome you, right? But gets the icky side of you too. And ask them, hey, what, what godly, character, godly characteristics do you see in me? And then ask, and where do you see that there are cracks in my character? Where are the areas in my life that my character needs some work? Community is important. Surround yourself with people who have godly character. Lastly, uh, we develop character by putting it into practice. So right after college, I worked at a summer camp as a counselor. And we used to play this game called Integrity Ball, which is basically Gaga Ball, if you've ever played it. Great. Basically, Integrity Ball is a form of dodgeball, right? You're in a pit 
with a bunch of people with a surrounding wall, and you're trying to avoid getting hit by the ball. The point of the game, and in order to win, is to be the last man standing. So players hit the ball at each other, and if the ball hits you, you're out, you're eliminated. So we would give the rules, start off the game, and what was interesting is, because there were so many campers playing in one gaga pit, that if a camper got hit by the ball, a lot of times you wouldn't see it. It would happen so fast, or people were in the way that you would just miss it. And so the first round was always the longest round because people cheated. Kids cheated. They would stay in the game even though they got hit because no one saw. So after the first round, we would say, okay, we gather them in. All right, who knows what integrity is? And you'd get a bunch of different answers, but sometimes you would get a bright child who would give the right answer, answer, which is integrity is doing the right thing when no one is looking. So we would go on to explain that if you get hit with the ball and no one saw it, the right thing to do is to step out of the game, show integrity, and say, I got hit. And then we would start a new game over. And it was interesting to watch because the games would end way quicker than the first round. Why? Because we just taught about integrity. And then the campers would then immediately put it into practice. We were developing character by practicing integrity through a game of gaga ball. We develop character by putting it into practice. First Timothy 4, 7 through 8 says, Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Train yourself for godliness. Train yourself for godly character, meaning put it into practice. Everlast, the only way to become more faithful is to practice faithfulness and allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through you and to develop that characteristic in you. That the only way to become more patient is to practice patience which is a scary prayer to pray. Lord, would you give me more patience? He's going to put you in opportunities that's going to test that, right? God's going to develop that in you, but we have to practice it. We should devote ourselves to developing these things until it becomes part of us. That it's not, again, just this one-time thing that we talked about earlier, but as we put it into practice, it becomes this ongoing continual tendency that you should continue to see. It's looking at the whole entirety of one's life, not just a certain moment. And we should continue to put these things into practice until it becomes part of it, uh, part of us, that God develops that in us. That also means, though, that practice doesn't mean perfect. We're still going to mess up. We're still going to sin in moments. Listen, practice develops progression, but it doesn't mean perfection. It's important for us to know that none of us are perfect. King David, who we talked about earlier in 1 Samuel chapter 16, right? The man God chose to be king over Israel, who, who God anointed. David, the man who, who was after God's own heart. David, a man of great character. Even David didn't have perfect character. David still sinned on occasion. In fact, in 2 Samuel, David slept with another man's wife got her pregnant, and then to cover it up, had him killed, her husband, by sending him to the front lines of battle. This is the same man that God said, David is a man after my own heart. 
David wasn't perfect, and neither are we. Now, just to be clear, David did repent to God. He, he was sorrowful over what he has done. But that doesn't give us the excuse for us to say, well, nobody's perfect, so I'm going to go ahead and not exhibit godly character today. That's not the point, right? The point is as we strive to become more like Jesus, as we strive to develop godly character, as we put that into practice, then God develops character within us, right? The point is to know that as we are here on earth, listen, there is always room to improve. We are to practice so that God continues to develop character within us. Second Peter 1, 5 through 7 says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. We are to make every effort by practicing those things that will develop our character. Everlasting. Character matters to God. That's why we should want it to continually be developed in our lives. By looking to Jesus, surrounding ourselves with godly people and putting those things into practice. Everlast, we should want a heart like David's, that, that is seeking after God's own heart. That even if man sees your outward appearance, he chooses you to lead because of what's going on inside your heart. A heart that is completely after his. God is looking for leaders whose heart reflects one of godly character. Everlast, godly leadership requires godly character. Everlast, may we strive to be more like Jesus. And as we look to God and imitate him, would godly character be developed in us? Not just so that we can be great leaders, yes, but that we can be awesome Christians. Amen? Let's pray.